Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance, my personal independent life and disability insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in this episode. Now let's get into it. Today is round number 16 of the game, and Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the full case. He does not know what this case is ahead of time. And if Mike hits all of the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, he wins. But if he doesn't, or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not actual ABEM cases, and they are not real patient. Mike, you ready to go? Let's do it. Okay, Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it, and let me know when you are ready. I am ready, my friend. Let's go. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? No, sir. All right, let's begin. You are working at Clerkship General Hospital, and the nurse comes and asks you to see uh, the next patient who is just roomed. Chief complaint is allergic reaction. Okay. Um, how old and what gender? Um, the, it is, his name is Sven, Sven Thompson. He's 16. He's a 16 year old male. Okay. I walk into the room. What do I see? Um, you see a, a young appear, you know, a young male. He's there with his mother. He's kind of texting on his phone. He's a little bit anxious when you come into the room. He's kind of looking around. Mother's anxious as well. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Mike. I'm one of the ER doctors here. Um, what is bringing you to the emergency room today? Hi, nice to meet you, Dr. Estefan. Yeah, he was, I think he it was lunchtime. I think he's having an allergic reaction. What makes you say that? He said he was just eating and all, there's kids all around and they're eating peanuts and stuff. And all of a sudden he was getting dizzy and flushed and I think he's having an allergic reaction. I tried giving him some Benadryl before he got here. All right, can we get this kid hooked up on the monitor Get two IVs in him and get an opening set of vitals. The patient is placed on a cardiac monitor. You have two large bore IVs, uh, initial set of vitals. Uh, heart rate is 155. Respiratory rate is 28. Blood pressure is 125 over 85. O2 saturation is 99%. You said 99%? 99, yes. Great. Uh, temperature? 98.7. And let's just check a glucose. It's 100. And how does the patient look? Uh, he looks a little anxious. Okay. All right. Um, just a couple quick questions. Uh, and he's accompanied by mom? Yes. Yes. I, mom, has, his mom is the, the high voice that has been talking. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, what medical problems does he have? He's healthy, doctor. Okay. Does he take any medications? No. He's healthy. I raised, a, I raised a healthy young lad. Does he have any allergies? Uh, apparently, apparently lunch. Okay, he's never had an allergic reaction before? Uh, I don't think so. Have you? No. Okay. This is to the kid. How, how are you feeling right now? Fine. Do you feel like you're having a tough time breathing? Yeah, I guess. All right. Do you have an itchy rash anywhere? 
Uh, no, I, I feel warm. All right. Um, can we just undress him? And I'm going to do a quick exam. Uh, does he have any rashes anywhere? No. Okay. What do his lungs sound like? Clear. Okay. Pulses? Uh, intact. All four extremities. And his heart? Regular tachycardia? Yes. Okay. Abdomen? Soft, non-tender? Correct. Okay. Um, let's get an EKG, a chest x-ray, and send off some labs on this kid. Let's just draw a rainbow for now. I want to see his EKG. All right. EKG is coming. Rainbow has been sent. Um, nurse would like to clarify. What do you mean a rainbow? Uh, let me just see this EKG real quick. Um, we could do like a CBC BMP. Um, do a lactate. <laughs> um, magnesium level. Troponin. Okay. Please interpret the EKG. Regular narrow complex tachycardia. I do not see P waves. And if they are present, they appear to be retrograde, maybe? But I don't, I don't see any obvious P waves. Um, so this is probably an SVT. And you said that this started um, right as you were eating food? Yeah. Yeah, he said, uh, what do we pack you for lunch today, uh, honey? Um, I don't know, like candy or something? No, like what did I pack you for lunch? Uh, uh peanut butter and jelly sandwich see uh, peanut butter doctor what do you think it is shouldn't you be treating him was was there anything else in the lunch um i i'll don't judge me don't judge me some um oreos but then uh that's just his treat because i have a high uh, a performance bar some like a protein bar so he's you know is smart some crackers that he can eat every two hours throughout the day so he can, you know, keep his, his mind sharp and get good grades. And I put in apple with um, apple slices and in a couple different Ziplocs so he can, he can munch on those and some carrot sticks. Um, and he likes some, again, some, some, ranch, some ranch dip with the, the carrot sticks, low fat. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I gave him some Oreos. I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> All right. Um, so I want to try one thing before we give your son any medications. Um, can we get like an empty syringe and have him do the revert maneuver, have him blow through the syringe and then flip him onto his back and put his legs in the air at the same time um, while he's blowing? Sure. Mom wants to, what are you doing to my son? Why are you holding it? Why are you flipping him upside down? We're trying a trick of the trade. His heart rate is his heart is beating a little faster than it should, and this is just one of the ways we can kind of reset it into a nor normal rhythm. Is this take a long time? No. Okay, good, because we got to get it, we got to get him back to school. Lunch is almost over. Okay. All right. So um, you do the revert maneuver as you've you've previously described. Uh, no change in his heart rate. Okay. And is he like exquisitely regular on the board? Like, is he at 155? It's not changing. It's not going from like 145 to 160. Yeah, it's just, it's hanging right there at 155. Okay, sounds good. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's try six, uh, mm, it's a kid. 
Why didn't it work, doctor? So we're going to try a medication now. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, can I call pharmacy real quick and verify adenosine dosing for children for SBT? Uh, um, sure. Yeah. Uh, pharmacy's online. Hey, what do you got this month? Uh, uh, so we, <laughs> this, <laughs> we got a kid uh, in SVT. Uh, he's stable. I'm going to try some adenosine. Uh, vagal maneuvers didn't work. Um, I know adults are usually 6, 12, 12, but I know it's weight-based dosing for kids. How much does he weigh? Uh, no idea, but what's the weight-based dosing? Um, it looks like he, we're looking at the chart right now, it looks like he weighs uh, 80 kilos. Big kid. Oh, all right. Then we'll just go ahead with adult dosing. You still need help with the dosing? No. <laughs> all right. Wow. All right. We, we actually staffed extra for today so that you, we can answer all your questions. So uh, we'll just send all of our, our pharmacists home. How about that? <laughs> I think I'm going to need you guys. <laughs> All right, fair All right. enough. We'll, we'll, um, we'll be around. You know you know how to get a hold of us. Okay, and before I give this, let me just make sure I don't see any, like, delta waves or anything weird like that, which I'm not seeing. So, all right, we can give six of adenosine. We can, you know, do the whole thing with the stopcock, with the saline flush, and hold his arm up in the air, and slam the adenosine, followed by the saline. Okay. Uh, adenosine Actually, has been given. Uh, before we, but, ah! no, all right, wait, oh, you it. caught the nurse. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me just console the patient before we give this. Okay. All right. All right, buddy. Um, so this medication we're going to give you, it can make your heart feel very weird. Um, and it can actually slow down your heart almost to a standstill for just a couple seconds. Okay. You're going to stop his heart. It's with a medication that's perfectly safe and it will only last a couple seconds. Do you promise? Yes. Nothing bad could come of this? You're sure? Yes. All right. We trust you. All right. All right. You ready, buddy? Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Now, now let's give the six of adenosine. <laughs> the nurse would like to clarify. Are you sure? Yes. All right. Six of adenosine is given. Um, and, oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, what did we see on the telemonitor? Because I obviously didn't have him hooked up to the pads. Um, so no change on the telemonitor. No change whatsoever. Okay, let's get him hooked up on the Zoll monitor with pads um, and do a continuous EKG when we give the 12 of adenosine. Oh my God, is he getting worse? Is he dying? Why are you hooking him up to the pads? Are you going to shock him? It's just so he can see what is going on. While we give the medication. I thought you said nothing bad would happen. That nothing bad could ever happen from this case. Nothing bad is going to happen. All right. Whatever. I'll let it go. No change on the monitor. Still 155. With the 12 of adenosine? Oh, I didn't hear the 12. You want to do 12 of adenosine now? Yeah, with him on a Zoll monitor with continuous EKG. Okay. Uh, nurse is like, are you ready? Let's do it. You sure? Yeah. Okay, 12 of the adenosine is given. Okay, what did I see on the monitor? Um, you see a pause, and um, his heart rate drops to 70. Okay, and is it still 70? Yes. Great. How do you feel, buddy? Uh, better. Can we take these pads off me? They're freaking me out. All right, can we get a repeat set of vitals? 
uh, reaps heat set of idols, heart rate, uh, what did I say, 75, blood pressure 120 over 80, respiratory rate 16, uh, O2 saturation 99%, patient feels better. Okay. Uh, Can we get a repeat EKG? Sure. Coming your way. Is he better, doctor? Is he better? That looks like sinus rhythm to me. Yeah, we, we fixed his heart rate. Can we get him back to class? Did those labs come back yet? Um, his labs all came back. Uh, BMP was normal. CBC, there was no anemia. Normal. Lactic acid was 1.5. Magnesium, 2. Trope was negative. Great. All right. Does he have a pediatrician he can follow up with? Uh, yeah, he has a doctor. I take him every year. In January. Every year. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to need to have him seen quicker than a year, but I think he's safe to go. Um, If this happens again, if he starts feeling like this again, come to the ER again. Um, But he needs to follow up with this pediatrician in the next two or three days. So was it an allergic reaction? So no, I don't think it was an allergic reaction. I think it was an arrhythmia. Um... And we're not quite sure why he went into this arrhythmia, so that's why he needs follow-up with a pediatrician. Uh, And he may end up needing to see a pediatric cardiologist just to make sure sure nothing bad is kind of underlying the cause of this. But we see it all the time. So is something the matter with his heart? What caused this? I don't know what caused this. Um, I don't suspect anything terribly bad, but... We just need to make sure. We This is pretty common, and we see it probably every week in the emergency room, this kind of arrhythmia. Okay, well, that's but good. He's, he's safe. He's safe to go back to school. He's not allergic to peanut butter? He can eat that? Yes. Okay. Well, we should probably Does get he going. Any... He needs to get to class. What, what was your question? Just wanted to clarify. Any family history of any heart problems or anything like that? Uh, I mean, No. I think his grandpa had some heart disease. Okay, but no one no one is like suddenly dropped dead, unexplained death kind of thing. No, do you think that's going to happen to him? No. You're freaking me out. No, I don't I don't think so. You sure? Yeah. He's going to be okay, right? He needs to yeah. go to college. He's going to be a, he's going to be a high performance athlete in college. He's going to be Heisman. Heisman trophy winner. What sports does he play? He plays them all. Well, specifically right now. So we have him in band and we have him in football, but flag football league, not like not like actual football because we don't want to hurt his brain. And um, yeah, chess club and and he's involved with student council. So I think all of those are great. I think he should refrain from football practice until he can see his pediatrician. So no football, huh? That's all right. No football. All right, whatever is best for my little Sven. (laughs) All right, that's all I got. All right, that ends your case. All right. So before we get into how you did, let's talk about our sponsor for the month. This episode was sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. 
when you're in training, it's not just about the medicine. You need to start getting your financial house in order too, Mike. And one of the things that needs to go <laughs> on your financial to-do list is you need to get a good disability agent in your corner, like Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Rabbits. Pearson Rabbits shops around the major insurance companies for you, and then they're going to send you the quotes from each company, so there'll be some different prices that you can compare and you can get a good deal. But in addition to that, what Stephanie Pearson will do for you and Pearson Rabbits will do for you is they will explain the subtle differences between this policy, these policies so that you can make an educated decision based off how you foresee your life going so that you can pick a policy that is best for you because all the policies have little variations on them. This is going to be a long-term purchase, and so you really need to educate yourself going in, and um, that's what Pearson Rabbits can do for you. So go to PearsonRabbits.com. On the side, you can see a little contact link. Uh, just fill out some information, and you can get your quotes. You're not under any pressure to buy it just because you're approved for insurance or anything. You don't have to buy it. You're not signing anything. Um, but you should start doing your research on this, getting your financial house in order. Thank you to Pearson Rabbits for sponsoring this episode. Now back to our case. All right, Mike. Tell me how you think you did. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still feel like I'm missing something. This wasn't the the usual doom and gloom kind of case that you usually give me. So I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like it couldn't have been this easy. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine. Now you get to wait for four months. Your entire career is on the line now. Okay, you get to just sit there and just think, oh, damn it, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> And, it, and, it, and it, it's not like and it's not like you'll get the answers right now. It'll be you know a few months from now. So it's it's, it's a really this excellent. Was... I'm trying to portray how it actually feels on test day. Maybe, maybe you know to be honest, maybe I just shouldn't tell you for a few months if you win or lost, and we could just you know bet bet a large sum of money on it or something. How does that sound? <laughs> no, no, thanks. Okay, please All no. Right. Well. Um, what do you th – it sounds like you think that the final diagnosis was SVT. Yes. Correct. Um, and overall, it sounds like you have some questions on if you missed something. But what do you think you did well? Um, I think I did not get distracted by the mom saying it was an allergic reaction and going down that route. Good. Um, I agree. Let's see. I can think of things I did not do well. <laughs> Ooh, fun. Yeah. Tell me all the things that you did poorly. So I gave this kid a denosine without having him on the monitor on a, not the monitor on like a Zoll with pads okay. um, with continuous EKG going. That was my bad for the six of adenosine. Um, but I guess I caught that later. <laughs> I don't know if I get well, any sympathy. And you did have him on the monitor. I mean, you didn't put the. You never verbalized anything related to like a crash. Keep a crash card at bedside. Anything like that, you would have. That would have been fine. You did have him on the monitor. I don't think this is like. I don't think you'd fail for that, to be honest. I don't know. Maybe you would. I don't think so. Um, and then I didn't. I didn't really explain what he was gonna feel before it happened. I just kind of did the medicine without doing. The person. No, you, know, you caught that. You did the, that. Yeah, you did that. I, I caught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I almost missed that. Yeah. So fair enough. But you didn't miss it. And, the, and close, is, close is fine. Close is, close is okay. Um, All right. Anything else you think you, you did not do well? I'm sure I'm probably missing something obvious, but that's... What do you think about the mom? 
Um, <laughs> you did an excellent job of portraying an annoying parent during <laughs> an encounter. Um, I feel like I kept trying to write her off. I probably should have taken her out of the room during the cardio version, which is probably what I would have done in real life. Mm -hmm. But Okay, okay. Um, well, let me kind of tell you how you did here and we can kind of talk a little bit further. Okay, so um, this was a case of simple SVT in a, in, a, in a pediatric patient. Nothing crazy with it. It wasn't like a weird VTAC. It wasn't Wolf Parkinson. It wasn't anything. It's just SVT. So congratulations. Um, and you will have cases like this on test day where the, the diagnostic side of it is the easy side. And then you'll have your high performance test givers, or, and this might happen, you know, in the sim and stuff in residency too. And, and they're, they're, they will test you on the per, trying to, to see your professionalism skills. So there is a component of that in some cases. Now, not every mm -hmm. case, you know, some cases are clearly a recess and the case is meant to be, you start off a resuscitation, then you, you lead through, a, you know, a cardiac arrest, then you admit and, you, you know, it's, it's a high clinical difficulty case. This was not meant to be that. I specifically had kind of two goals with this. Um, and I'll also tell you what you missed because you did miss something, um, which is fine because I probably would have missed it too, to be honest. So the, the primary goal is I wanted to kind of give you what I felt like was a pretty realistic case to how that would match how you feel when you actually do your oral boards. This is about how it feels. You're going to feel really uncomfortable with how it ends up. And some of it's going to seem like too easy. And then you're going to feel like you missed something. And then you wait a few months. So I really just wanted to kind of show you the feeling that you had there. I truly mean like stretch it out for a few months. That's how it feels. Even when you get the diagnosis right okay so it's it's important that you ignore that and you just kind of proceed and, and trust your training okay okay so that's the first All thing right. the second thing is I, I i wanted to kind of get some of the professionalism in there i think you could have been a little bit uh, more proactive with counseling the mom saying we're going to give this medicine you know i think you know it, Frequently, she was the one that was kind of freaking out and pulling the questions from you, which you answered. You took the time to answer um, is fine. But the other thing I want to teach with this case is that there, there will be cases that you get probably. I, I mean, these again, these aren't real cases, but it is possible that you will get a case similar to this with a difficult caregiver or something like that. And it can be any number of scenarios. It could be a parent of a kid. It could be, um, I don't know, like... I don't know, could it be like human trafficking or something like I don't know. Again, these these aren't real cases, but there could be components of the guests in the room adding to this that you kind of need to get past. Usually the answer is to interview the patient alone. Frequently, if there's someone who's driving the conversation, you it, the, the key there is to interview the patient alone. Um, mm -hmm. Get that piece of the history. You never really did that with him. Um, and I'll tell you kind of what I built into the case. And uh, so there are some known triggers for SVT. Do you have any – what kind of triggers – um, do you know of for SVT? Um, cause it's not I just completely say. random. Like there are some, you know, risk factors for developing this. I actually can't say I know any off the top of my head, maybe drugs. Yeah. Uh, I think drugs is a big one. Caffeine, some of the stimulants I, I think can yeah. trigger this. Um, probably some electrolyte stuff. I mean, MI, you can get an SVT from an MI. It just depends on how they look, you know? So, um, yeah, I, they I actually, now I was reading a study. We'll, we'll get to this at the end, I, you know, on the, 
we'll get to this at the end. We'll come back to that. Um, so in him, you know, in a pediatric patient, you can see where I'm going with this and the overbearing yeah. mom. What do you, what do you think he was potentially doing? Potentially. Either some Adderall or some kind of stimulant. Bingo. That was kind of how I set it up in my crazy head. I had to put a spin on SVT somehow. So I was like, how do I do this? I'll do it in a kid and I'll have an overbearing mom who has his, you know, snacks planned out for him and the pressure to be in five committees and stuff and whatever, you know, and then he takes some Adderall. That's exactly what it was. He was taking, you know, kind of recreational meds like that. Um, And this is like a perfect example of, just showing how hard these cases are because in real life when i have a kid i always kick the parents out of the room and i always do the one-on-one history it's like ingrained in me but it didn't even cross my mind during this case you know just because i'm not in the situation not in the room i'm not it's all you know when, when you do when you do do your oral boards and when you're practicing for these at your residency and stuff i think that the If I could come up with one takeaway is when you have a guest who's driving the conversation, unless the patient is unconscious, right? But if it's it's a spouse, so like if it's a spouse over-talking a spouse, if it's a parent over-talking a kid, if it's a caregiver over-talking a caregiver, uh, any of those sorts of things, I think that the, the move is to interview the patient privately, and you need to verbalize that, and um, from there... I don't think it would be fair for an examiner to have the patient not be forthcoming at that point. I mean, you're clearly trying to get, you know, some an honest interview. You don't have a half hour to drag these things out. So um, if there is something there when you interview them privately, I imagine that would reveal something of what's going on. Um, but th- a case similar to this will be out there where you I, – I would I, – that you know, something like this could happen in theory. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's go through our critical actions. So, and you did all of them, except for kind of the last one, but it was vagal maneuvers, adenosine, um, you can use diltiazem as well, I don't, we can talk about that here in a second, and discharge the patient. It's extremely hard to discharge patients on the oral boards, and you should be actually probably <laughs> hesitant to do so, but you, I'm usually, especially on your triple case, then there's usually one that's probably appropriate for discharge. But you can anticipate that maybe a few of these would be appropriate to discharge, as long as you can kind of figure it out. What you don't want is to be done after five minutes discharging something that you feel is super simple. Like usually there's a spin on it somewhere and you just kind of have to keep hunting and and going back from the top. Like, can I recheck vitals? Can I ask the patient a few more questions? Is anything else going on? Is there any, you know, (laughs) really just, you know, seeing if you can drag anything else out. Um, But yeah, I thought you did a good job. The, I had kind of identify the trigger, interview the patient alone, kind of, get the mom out of the situation as, as a critical action as well, which I would have said okay. you missed. And now I don't think that would be like a critical action on test day type of a thing. Um, I like, I don't think, I guess I don't know. I, it'd be interesting. Ask if some of your faculty or someone, you know, do actually do these, see if they think you would have failed this case. I'd be, I'd be curious to see what they say. I don't think so. I mean, you did all the medical stuff, right? You missed a piece of it. I don't think you would have scored well on it. Um, <clears throat> But I, I doubt you would have completely bombed it. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't do. I'm not an oral board, you know, examiner. I just, I just make these up when I get bored. So, anyways, um, you talked about <laughs> revert. Talk. Tell me about revert. Tell the audience about revert. 
Sure. So um, it is a combined vagal maneuver where essentially you have the patient blow through a syringe and try to push the plunger out. And then at the same time, I believe you, you have them doing that while they're sitting upright. And then after they do that for a little bit, you put them on their back and then put their legs in the air, um, which the combination of all of these movements together have been shown to induce a quite a uh, strong vagal response that has uh, has been shown to cardiovert these SVTs. And so I was actually reading about this last night. The number needed to treat with this maneuver is three, according to the the trial that they did on this. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty good success rate. It's yeah, good, um, that's insane. It's a good party that's trick, insane. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot, depending on where you're at, a lot of nurses still haven't seen this. This is fairly new. Uh, mm. Newer residents, newer attendings, like myself, like you, you're seeing it. Academic centers, you're seeing it. Um, but some of your community sites, the nurses might not have seen this done. Um, and I actually, it was interesting. So I've always had it where I have them blown in the syringe and then I kind of flip them back and while they're blowing in it, when I watched the video of this guy performing it online, he actually, I I think maybe that's not quite right. I wonder, I I don't know what you think on this, but I, what he was doing, he was having a blow in the syringe upright for 15 seconds, stop when he was done. Then they laid him back and said, just relax. So instead oh. of blowing in the syringe and being like, while you're getting flipped upside down, he actually had him doing that and just blow, 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 blow. And he's like, all right, now take a deep breath, relax, and they just flip him back. And that was how they – and I think it was the author of the trial that was doing this video. And anyone can email us and correct me. I'm sure I'm, I'm terribly wrong on this. But I thought that was interesting because that's actually usually what I've been doing is having them blowing in it and I'm flipping them while they're blowing and kind of – Come on, do it. You know, that's all you got. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's that's what I've done too. But it, um, the way look up some videos on this. Uh, well, I mean, I should have prepared for this. Read the revert trial and see specifically what they did. Um, that yeah, would be I will. that's how you I get will. that. And I'm going to do that here now too. Now that I think about it, maybe we'll put a little um, link to it in our show notes. Um, yeah. But there is a there is a certain series to this. I do I do have a story. So as most of our listeners probably know. AFib is a kind of SVT. So you can actually convert people out of AFib with these vagal maneuvers. So one of my favorite cases so far of residency, we had a, uh, a guy flip into AFib RVR while getting dialysis. And he came in AFib RVR to the 150s and he was borderline hypotensive. He was, you know, your typical dialysis patient. You know, you can't get access on one arm. He's a difficult stick on the other arm. So nurses come grab me because they can't get access. And he has a nice, juicy foot vein. So we go for the foot vein. And the pain from inserting an IV into his foot vein caused him to vagal so hard that he converted himself out of AFib RVR. And that's probably one of my favorite cases of vagal maneuvers. But you you can use foot veins. We're not recommending this, by the way. You don't intentionally inflict large amounts of pain to convert your AFib patients. (laughs) This is not not medical advice, especially the unstable ones. Um, Let's see. What else? What do you think about, sorry, diltiazem and calcium channel blockers? I've had one case of refractory SVT where 6, 12, and 12 of adenosine didn't work. And they were actually borderline hypotensive. They actually were hypotensive, but mentating just fine. Um, So 
we ended up calling cardiology because we were like, well, we could, you know, give him a push of dilt, but his pressure is already 90 over 60 or whatever. And the fact that he was mentating, they were like, yeah, just tank him up with a bunch of fluids and then try the dilt. Um, the dilt ended up doing nothing, did nothing for him. And he ended up getting admitted to our cardiac care unit and getting cardioverted the next day. Um, or getting ablated the next day, I'm sorry. We tried cardioversion multiple times as well, and he was refractory to that in the ED. Really? Um, wow. So, yeah. I have not had success. At every SVT I've had, I've been able to convert with the adenosine except for that one, and that one case, DILT, did not work. So I've tried DILT a few times. I've had it work once. I'm comfortable giving it. My thoughts on this, so the, the mindset for everyone listening on giving diltiazem instead of adenosine in situations where it's not refractory SVT and the adenosine just doesn't work is that the diltiazem is supposedly more comfortable than, or the diltiazem is more comfortable than the adenosine, which causes you to feel like you're, you're dying for like a second. I feel like I've had good luck heading off the side effects of adenosine with patients and kind of counseling them on that, that usually my patients are, they don't, they're not bothered by it. Um, I I still routinely give adenosine and it doesn't seem, they don't seem upset by it. I ask them about it. Like it wasn't as bad. You know, I really overplay it. I say, here's what's going to happen for about two seconds. It stops your heart, but it always goes away. And that's kind of how I tell them. Um, you know, this is not the time to be like, oh, in theory, though, you know, it could, you know, well, what, yeah, it's not the time to do it because <laughs> they're going to freak out. You say it, it it always goes away and it always only lasts a second or two, but it's a super freaky feeling. It, it passes just so you know. And then you do it. And usually I, I feel like patients, they they're not bothered by it once you tell them that because I could. I mean, you could, like, stab me in the arm for, like, a second. I'd be like, oh, if I knew it was going to be all completely done in a second, like, that's fine. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid. You know, just it's going to yeah. be – it's over quick. Um, so I still usually use adenosine. Uh, I think diltiazem is fine. The issue I run into is sometimes with the low blood pressure and then giving the diltiazem. So that's an interesting case. Anyways, I don't know. Those are kind of my two things. What else do you got? Anything else? I I have a question for you. Do you routinely pre-medicate people that you're about to push adenosine to with like an anxiolytic or just anything? No, I give, I give Zach Olson therapy. I hold their hand and I say, it's going to be, I'll literally (laughs) hold their hand. I'll say it's a second of one of the weirdest, scariest feelings you'll ever experience, but it always goes away. That's usually, that's what I tell them. Um, Okay. And you know, that's, I wouldn't tell them that I, if I thought it wasn't going to work. You know, I tell that for like true SVT, not like, ah, is this SVT or is this VTAC? I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay. But yeah, I um, I don't premedicate them. I counsel them pretty extensively, and I hold their hand myself. That's nice. Um, and then do you do the whole thing with the arm, holding it above their head, using the three-way stopcock? Um. Yes. I mean, the problem is for everyone that's listening, adenosine is a very short half-life. So if it doesn't get in right away in like a big dolus, bolus, if it, if it kind of goes in slowly, it'll actually, the half-life will go away before the medicine actually impacts the AV node. And so it has to hit them quick. So then the idea is you push it with a three-way stopcock so that you have a flush ready to go and you hold their arm up in there and you really just rush it down to the heart. Um, I don't, I guess I don't always hold the arm up. Uh, usually I push it. I think, I'm sure this is probably not right, but 
several times if they have like a bag of fluids going, I just pressure the fluids so that it's really dripping and, and just let it go in pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't had issues with that. But yeah, it, it needs to go in very quick. The right way, the, the classic way to teach it, especially if you're verbalizing it, is I want a three-way stopcock with the adenosine and a flush. And I'm going to push the adenosine, and then I'm going to flip the stopcock, do the flush, and hold the arm in there. That's the classic kind of fastest way to administer adenosine. Yeah, that, that is how I was taught and how I did it for most of intern year. But now that I'm working at more community sites, I'm seeing attendings do do it differently and do it the way you do it with a pressure bag, with a full liter saline running, and they just basically piggyback it uh, with that pressure bag saline. I mean, do you think it's more effective doing the arm in the air? I feel like it works fine. I tend to be more, I don't know, less is more. That's kind of my style. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't had any issues either way, so. Okay, all right. It's, I, I, I will probably continue to use the three-way stopcock just because that's how I was taught I don't think I mean, there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> it's exactly. probably it's probably it's the by the book way to do it. So, um, yeah. all right, well, uh, that wraps it up, everybody. I don't know, it, Mike. Anything else going on with residency? Anything else exciting that you would like to share to all the aspiring EM doctors? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I'm at a community site now, um, a different community site. It's like a very bougie community site, and <laughs> medicine medicine is much different out there. Let me just say that. Um, but it's good. It's we good. all know that hospital uh, that has like a, a, a personalized waterfall in the patient's room. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. That is by, for the record. That is what I've, what I've heard from people working at those sites is that is not a fun place to work. Um, that there's a, 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 what I've heard is that it can be a, a group of patients that tends to come in with a high amount of expectations. Um, and that it can just be very difficult to work there. So anyways, um, interesting. Yeah. But for that, with that said, I love community medicine. It's where it's at. I love community emergency medicine, but I, I don't know if I'd want to work at the bougie, the bougie hospital. I'll leave that to <laughs> groups that shall remain unnamed. <laughs> How have you been doing, man? Uh, I've been doing pretty well. Um, COVID is still kind of crazy. So, you know, we're recording this kind of mid November and, uh, it's, it's, it's a little interesting. There's definitely more of it than we were seeing in the spring or the summer. You can you can feel the the pressure a little bit, but nothing nothing. The wheels haven't come off or anything like that as of the recording of this. So, you know, just one day at a time. But that that's the main thing that's going on where I'm at. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got. So, all right, everybody. Knock, knock on wood. Yeah, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, we're wrapping up here. So it's, go ahead, send us emails. You can email Mike, Mike at emclerkship.com. You can email me, Zach at emclerkship.com. You can also fill out a contact form on emclerkship.com just on the website. You can contact us. We'd like to hear from you. Anything, any knowledge pearls you have related to SVT are always interesting. But uh, with that said, hope you're all doing well. Have a, a good, let's see, this will be December when this is published. Have a, a great December. And until next month, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.